I said, do you think I could do a marathon? And you went, well, sure you can. We're just going to walk, you know, we're going to run walk 56K. Of course you could do a marathon. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess I, I could do a marathon. And in my head, that, that was it. I was, you told me that I could. And from that day, I was like, okay, I can. Hi, I'm Anna Liptak and I've been a fitness trainer now for over 15 years. Over this time, I've been privy to witness so many ordinary people achieve so many wonderful things. Through this podcast and a documentary I co-produced, I'm Not a Runner, I want to share these stories to show everyone that anything is possible if you have the belief and the motivation. Chantelle Peacock, from zero to standing on the winner's podium, Chantelle shares the secrets of her success. Celebration of every step, consistency, her adventures, and how important it is to fuel and hydrate through a marathon. Through this podcast, Chantelle will have you inspired, lacing up and heading out that door in no time. This morning we are talking with Chantelle Peacock. Chantelle, thank you for being here today. You've been training with me for quite some time now, but uh, most uh, special to me is that you've been a long-term running partner and we've achieved so much together. But um, firstly, Chantelle, can you tell us about yourself? Yep, sure. My name is Chantelle Peacock. Um, I have been training with you for 12 years now and the reason I'm so sure of that time frame is that I started when my sick daughter my youngest daughter was six months old so however I always know however old she is that's how long I've been training with you and I remember that because you were going to sign up for six weeks and six weeks only <laughs> and you said I really can only do six weeks because at the time you and your husband were starting a new business yeah. and, and you were really financially strapped. We had no money so yeah it was a birthday present and that's how I also remember because it was oh, on my birthday. Which also, is now, this, this week. This time. Yeah, so it would be about this week. So it was a birthday present Um, I really wanted to do something for myself. Lulu was just six months old at the time and she was still, I was still breastfeeding her so I am... Um, yeah, I was, I kind of like said to Finn, oh, I really want this, you know, it looks really good. It's just three three mornings a week. And Finn was, hey, how are you going to get up? You're already sleep deprived, you know, like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, no, I, I really think just those three hours, you know, sorry, one hour, three times a week will really help. So, um, yep, I was definitely just doing six weeks because, you know, I've kind of, anyway, I was adamant I could do it on my own and six weeks turned into 12 years. <laughs> 12 years. Well, thank you for being with me for 12 years because they've been very special to me um, all that time that you've been with me. What made you stay after that six weeks? I think I just felt so good. I just I just was so much happier in my day-to-day -day life. I was just I was just a better I was just felt happier. So for me it was about when I've had that hour of exercise for myself, when I went back into the kids and the family and the business that was just starting, and I had three kids under three, we were starting a new business, which was pretty intense. We had very little money, so you know everything was quite tight. Um, and I was just better. It enabled me to deal with everything better. I was just a happier person. It made me a better, just a better mum, a better, better wife, better, better at the business, better at thinking. It just made me feel better about everything. So, so your just husband let was it quite go. happy to, to give you another program, obviously, oh, because you were a better person yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, there was, I don't ever remember it being a question after the six weeks that I wouldn't continue doing it. The, the transformation in myself was just so great within me that, yeah, it wasn't even a, it was kind of like, yep, i got to keep doing this. It wasn't even, I just remember it just being, yep, okay, we've got to go. And that was it. And so had you exercised before then? Uh, not really. I did I'd maybe done a couple of fun runs. I lived in Sydney for three years. I'd done a couple of fun runs 
um, oh, well, I think I did two fun runs. This is a funny story. So one was a 5K and one was a 10K. And I remember my friend now, Vanessa, um, literally dragging me around this fire. It was the most horrendous experience because, you know, I obviously didn't train for it. I just, you know, ah, oh, 5K. Oh, I remember both of them just being torturous, <laughs> like not being able to breathe, having to stop and walk, saying, are we nearly there yet? Oh my God, really? Like just around the corner, you said the finish. I remember it being really painful and unpleasant and definitely not going back to it. Yeah, it was just like a one-off. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you vividly coming into the classes and you uh, certainly, from my perspective, couldn't run a kilometre. No, no, um, no. And you were at the back of the class, which doesn't matter. I was at the back of the class. I was. We had a term. There was the fast, fast, fast. There was the fast, fast and the fast. The fast, it's the fast right. was we're really fast. the slowest. <laughs> and I was in the fast. But you know what? I hide did not care. I didn't feel like I was the slowest. I I could see each week had slightly get better and things would slightly get easier. So for me, I, was, I wasn't even looking to the person at the front of the class thinking I want to be like them. I was just happy to be there and to feel better and to have someone to run along with, whoever it was. Yeah. And I think that's been the beauty of watching you over the 12 years. So for people who are listening, you've now become a marathon runner and run many marathons um so from someone who really couldn't run you've been actually standing on the 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 platform coming first second or third in some marathons and running events now so that's a huge level that you've gone from how, how have you done that like what what's what i mean from my perspective what i've seen is that you've just celebrated the whole way through yeah and i think i never had this aim to be at the start when I started, I never had an aim to run a marathon. That wasn't wasn't my goal. Like that wasn't in my head. Um, but as a little girl, actually, I always kind of assumed that my dad had done half a half marathon. And I always sort of assumed it was something I would get to. But when I first started with her time, it certainly wasn't one of my goals to do a marathon, let alone to do, you know, however many I've done. Um, but I think the secret was is that I never, ever compared myself to anybody else. It was only really about me. It sounds, I mean, it sounds selfish, but, you know, and today's say we're not supposed to be selfish, but it was only really about my own achievements and how how good I felt in myself. And I could live in that moment or that, that hour and then it just, it's then I could just get on with the rest of my day. So it made, it was just that one little bit for me, I think. And I never compared myself to anybody else. And I did just enjoy every, every win, like every, you know, like every little thing that I did, I remember doing the City to Bay in an hour and a half, an hour and a half, and just being amazed that I did the City to Bay and being really proud and and pleased. I'm going home to my family and going, oh, I just did it, you know, in an hour and a half, and look at me and how which cool is that fantastic, is. right? Which is amazing. Which is what it should be. People should celebrate, yeah, um, rather than be disappointed and set up expectations. It's just about not having expectations and. And doing it one step at a time. Yeah, and I think that's what I've learned as well over this last year. So I have been running lots of marathons and I've got a, a knee condition that is going to probably prevent me from running anymore. And I'm kind of starting, I haven't run for three months, so I'm start kind of starting back on track. And that's kind of where I'm at. You've got to just embrace what where you're at right now and the little goals that you make. So you've, it's really about kind of, just embracing where you're at and enjoying what you're doing. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting journey. Yeah, and I, I remember a bit doing 
I mean, we did the 12Ks, we did the half marathon down in the Barossa, and we did, did lots of different events. And I think that's one of the things is having a goal that, you know, you can work towards um, has certainly brought us all along. Yep. But one of the most significant ones I remember doing with you was the 55, 56 kilometre trailblazer. Yes. And you asked a question. So, and that's really what set the whole thing off was I think I had, we had done the half run previous, previously yes, we and we did the team event, which was 56 trail trail event, which really is a, a jog stroke walk. You basically hike, you know, most of it. So there's lots of fun. You know, I mean, there was a four of us. We had so much fun chatting and laughing. And I can still, in my head, I can actually picture where we were when we I had this conversation. Too. I know. So we were going, do you remember, we were going Good up moment. a check. Yep. And I remember I looked to you and said, oh, you know, we can do 56 kilometers today. And you said, yeah, and, he, and I said, do you, do you think I could do a marathon? And you went, well, sure you can. We're just going to walk, you know, we're going to run walk 56K. Of course you could do a marathon. I remember thinking, oh, I guess I, I could do a marathon. And in my head, that that was it. I was, you told me that I could. And from that day, I was like, okay, I can. Yeah. And it was yeah. as simple as that. It, and I think once you realize, for me at that stage, there was nothing about times. There was nothing about splits. All for me, it was actually completing that distance. Would I be able to complete the 42-kilometer distance? And you just told me I could, and I was about to walk 156K. So in my head, it, it was just, yeah, okay, I can. And that's it, isn't it? It's, it's having someone believe in you, I think, and then you having the belief in yourself that makes things happen. Yeah. And asking the question. And like, um, you know, like our dear friend Heather Brooke would say, if you don't ask the question and you don't try, you'll never have your answer. So, you know, there we were in Boston. Take us through take us through it from your perspective. So we landed in Boston and we were super excited to be there. So we did lots of, not too much exploring because we had big plans for after the event, but we did lots of kind of walking around and we went to the expo, um, which was awesome. I love marathon expos and the Americans know how to do expos really well. So it was and I remember a point in there when, when someone said in front of us, oh, I've done 50 marathons, and you looked at me and said, oh, we can too. And I remember thinking, oh, I thought this was my last one. Oh, yeah, that was in the queue for the passage, didn't it? Do you remember that lady that I've done 50? I'm like, oh, my God, I thought you had to stop after, like, seven. I know, we can just keep and going. And I'm like, you oh, my God, stop. this is going to continue. This woman is not going to stop. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember her too. I was like, wow, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, so, yeah, so the run itself was... It was freezing in the morning. It was so cold. Do you remember? Yeah. We had to say, do you remember someone gave us the advice, don't drink too much before you get on the bus because you're going to really need to be busting. And then we did drink too much on the bus and then we were busting. Do you remember to get off? And do you remember we were just in the bear You had that, didn't you have a bear <laughs> Well, it was almost like a bear seat. We can you remember I nearly took my rings off to give to somebody to put in his bag? Can you remember I had some rings and they were annoying me? Anyway, well, I'll get to that afterwards. But I was so glad I didn't give it to him because we never saw him again because mm. of the bombs oh, but yes. um yep so we set off on the run and um, boston is a tricky course i think because the hills it's basically up and down for the first half but if you haven't trained properly or you take it too you go too hard on the um downhills you can really hurt your quads right, which is yeah. what happened to me my doms just just i just couldn't move properly after the the halfway through and um, but our relationship was so good at that stage that we kind of felt comfortable I felt comfortable just waiting back at a water station I could see you look for me to say come on come on and I'm like I can't go I can't go but you've just got to go so it was I feel like it was a good decision that that you could just go off and then I could just 
run at your own speed. That was yeah. really gracious of you, though. That was really nice. And um, I remember that was a really hard decision. But we, we did it and it yeah. was fine. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. So so anyways, the point is we got separated at the halfway point. You were, like, you were ahead. I think it was at the 32k mark. Was it? Okay. After Heartbreak Hill. Yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, well, that makes me feel a bit better then. I'm going until 32k. <laughs> Um, but we did get separated. Anna went off and I um, was just kind of struggling along thinking, yep, I'm going to get there. And we got to the finish line and thankfully you were you were there, you were waiting just as we got the finish line. Because I think I was maybe five minutes behind you in the end, so not too much to wait. And thankfully the lady over the finish line allowed you to wait for me because she said, oh, we're from Australia, my friend's going to be not far behind. And usually in a marathon they say, move on, move on, keep well, moving, where she was like, oh, you're all right, darling, you could stay here, you can wait. No, we thankfully. so fortunate. Yeah, because otherwise we were going to meet Otherwise, we the bomb was. made a recce the night before and the idea was to go through the, the through the funnel and then literally come round. Out so you about. would have been waiting exactly where the bomb went off. Mm. If not near the bomb, then you would have got caught up in the, the panic and everything for sure. Um, but thankfully you were waiting. So you waited for me. We came across the line. We walked through and it was really cold. So cold. It was really cold. Because otherwise we were going to go straight onto that finishing line. And watch everybody. But again, it was so cold. cold. So We, we thought like, we'd just sneak back to the hotel. Let's get some warm clothes on and, it, and then we can come back. The hotel was only a walk away, which we were lucky. It must have been about a K and a half, I think, the walk yeah. to the hotel. So we literally walked to the hotel. I remember going up in the lift, coming out of the lift, and then seeing a runner in tears. And our, our, our automatic reaction was, are you okay? And she said, no, there's a bomb. There's and an explosion. There's been an explosion. Uh, yeah, explosion. And um, and uh, we didn't know if it was a car or what she was talking about. I not know what you mean, but she was a bit muddled. So I said, oh, come on, let's go back to let's go back to the room and let's put on the tv and we'll find out what's happened and basically we went back to the room and that's it we were stuck in that room i think for 12 hours because basically the hotel went into lockdown you weren't allowed to leave and the media in america is just so sensational so basically we just watched this event unfold and we could hear it media. too can you remember you hearing all those sirens hear the sirens and then they were talking about bombs quite near us in the library yeah because spots. there was a fire in the library at the time they didn't know what it was it was a flyer but they thought maybe that it was a terrorist attack and they were attacking different areas of Boston, so that's why the hotel went into lockdown and you couldn't leave. But we just basically watched it all. It was really unfold. scary. Can you remember being downstairs with the the people from the army because they yeah. came into all the hotels and they just had those big guns. Yeah. And you know, in the big black suits, and we were like, "Oh my goodness, what is going on here?" Remember? And we just came down for dinner, and everyone was beside themselves. It was like you're in a horror movie, really. Yeah. Well, I remember the next day and just going out into the street, literally leaving the hotel and seeing a tank just walk where the day before there'd just been tourists, and today mm. there was a tank because and there were police at every corner, yeah. weren't there? And army people. Yeah. And so thankfully we we managed to get a ticket out, so we left the next day just because I think. We just wanted to get out of there. We had all these plans. You were, you were more, oh, we've got to get out, we've got to do yeah, this. And I was like, oh, I can't we just stay around? No, I was like, yeah, we've got to get out, we've got to get out. So I think Finn got us tickets out. Yes. We went straight to the airport that day. I was like, we need to, we're not lingering here. That we, We're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, so I, I think I was really remember how scary it was at the airport? Because well, people were thinking it was, was on planes. and going to say is that what I didn't realise when we got to the airport, there was this real eerie feeling in the airport. A lot of the flights had been cancelled. And then what I didn't realise is one of the planes that went into 9-11 actually left from Boston. So it was a Boston to New York flight. So um, someone told us that. that, that so that's why oh. the airport was so eerie and that's why they cancelled a lot of the flights. Yeah, because one of the planes 
Oh. went into there and at that stage they didn't know what kind of attack it was you know they didn't no. know no. that it turned out to be just two young brothers which that's you know that's what it turned out to be but um it's yeah. pretty scary wasn't it it was scary it's such um, a significant event for both of us that we were so excited about yeah i know to be a part of and we told the whole world that we well, were going well i think that my last facebook post before we went off on that run was me with the boston because i had the boston <laughs> marathon top and it said it's still got boston and it had the date in the back and it was just a headshot of the back of my yes. my it was a running was it like a running jacket yeah running they, jacket yeah, in my hair and it was just that was it that was my so it was very clear everybody and his dog knew that we were in boston doing that marathon and so, our poor husbands at home obviously yeah. got wake up at 5am with texts and messages. Are they okay? Is anyone okay? You know, just several people kept coming to the door and they'd just open, you know, just open the door and go, yep, she's fine. And then close the doors. Just so many people knew that we were away. It was pretty horrific, wasn't it, for it the was. kids? That's what I remember is Nick talking about all the images on the telly and the kids waking up and, you know, they're saying that's Boston Marathon. That's where mum is. Yeah, my kids were probably younger than yours, younger. so they probably didn't fully yeah. understand it, I don't think. Whereas I know your kids were older, aren't they? They're probably two or three years older yeah. than mine, so they're probably just more aware of what was happening. Yes. Even now, my kids it's just were just too little to comprehend it. I think it probably would have bigger, a bigger impact on them now, but I can see how yours mm. definitely did affect those. And, mm. and you did worry because we had New York planned as well. For, that yeah, was another that was in group. April. We were going supposed to be going to New York in two thousand six months later. Yeah, six months later, and, and we're that, taking a group. And I was that, like, oh, "Do we go? Do, do we, we go? not go? Do we not go? What do you do?" And I think one of the things I've come to realise is that, and it's like now with COVID, you can't stop your life. You've still got to live, and you've your still life. got to do these Time things. Time keeps moving. You've got to uh, assess the risk, and is it worth it to you? And how important it is to you to go. But at the end of the day. Travel is important to me. It's a big part of what I do. It's, I get a lot of joy from it. So that event was not going to stop me from doing other events. Mm. It may happen again, but... Mm. And and that was a big decision for us because, yeah, you know, it was, it was putting yeah. our husbands and our kids through yeah. it again. And, and I know my kids were actually really quite worried Anxious, about us going. Yeah. Um, and But we had the group going and I don't know what New York was for you like that year, but I remember feeling thinking about the bombs when I was there and the, all yeah. the security that they had. I well, was much more aware of it. I remember going and um, driving over the bridge to the start line and seeing um, just SWAT teams on all the roofs. So they were obviously really paranoid about something happening again. And um, I remember all the helicopters. And I actually remember running through Central Park, maybe a couple of K before the end, and someone jumping on a balloon and being, oh, yeah. like, being actually quite scared, like, you know, just kind of that shock. And then you just... You know, and again, I think I was incredibly emotional when I finished that New York marathon. But I think a lot of it was just sort of all the pent up, yes, angst from Boston. I remember crying, like sobbing at the end of it, and everyone just thought it was because of the marathon, you know, finishing the marathon. But I think it was just a lot of emotion, yeah, which you know you kind of keep in a lot. Mm. And do you think you still have that sort of in you, that sort of emotion from Boston, or? No, I th no, I think it is something that just, like most things, time heals all these sort of, I guess, challenges that you deal with or situations that you find yourself in. I think time does heal these things. Mm. But I don't know. I Have I been back to 
yeah, I also went and did another the other other New York marathon, and um, we've been lucky. We've been very lucky to New York <laughs> marathon. So when I did my second one, I don't remember thinking about Boston. I just remember it being a big celebration. Yeah. So what's been your best marathon? How many have you done? I have done thirty five. Thirty five marathons. What has been the best yeah. one for you? That's a really really good question. Um, there's a marathon in the Outback called the Uluru Marathon, the Uluru Marathon, the Outback Marathon. That was a good one too. I think that it? was one of the ones that I just will just, will always be really special because it was such a unique so place to run. So it's, spiritual, isn't so, it? I think if that's it. Like yeah. you do sort of feel really connected to the, to Australia and the land and I don't know. Right? And it was it's so really well managed. really special, isn't it? You know, the whole event was so... And having the kids Respectful. there and the Aboriginal people who also run. And and the other thing about that event was that it it was every single person was celebrated. It, it was one of the, the yes. I think it's the only I've, event I've been on where the winner and the, you know, the, the top three people are not, 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 they are celebrated. But it's just, it's not that big a deal. Yes. It's, it was it's everybody. Everybody. It's like every marathon, isn't it? Like really everyone gets yeah. the same medal. Yeah. Everyone just gets the same medal. But that one, I just remember thinking it was just very equal. It was kind of like it was just a big Sunday run almost. And you did the full and I did the half. And we both actually got yeah, on the podium. We did get on that the That was podium. really special. It was very special. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, that was really good because I turned off because of my broken foot. Oh yeah, you, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I decided I decided I was in third place, so I'd take the <laughs> take the take middle. The half. <laughs> um, yeah, that I think good. that is a really beautiful t- one too. So, yeah. so I mean, you've gone from a from actually never being able to run to mm. now being you know running thirty four marath thirty five marathons. What tips would you give to someone who thought they they weren't a runner? What what, what tips could you give somebody? You've really got to enjoy the process and not get too hung up on the end goal. Mm. So And you do it little by little, don't you? Don't really focus on that 42. Little by little. Yeah. It's and, too overwhelming. Yeah, and run walk, run walk is fine. But you've got to enjoy the run walk, run walk. Yeah. And I think that looking back in Sydney, that's probably what I didn't do is that I you would just go and do five K and it would be torturous and then I'd never do it again. So I think the tip would be to make it make it fun and make it enjoyable on the day to day. Yes. And that's finding exercise that's not necessarily running too. Yeah. You know, you've been training with his and her time for 12 years. Yep. And, you know, you don't just run. No, no, no. You know, you not. do that cross-training, yep. which I think is, you know, interesting when we compare ourselves to just running groups. You know, we used to talk about it when we ran. In fact, we were faster than a lot of people who had run so much more than we had. Yep. Because we did that cross-training as well. Yeah, I think... And I, and finding the groups, I think that's the other thing is what what makes it funny is finding, you know, a friendship or, you know, that we've obviously developed over the years or a group that you enjoy running with. And I think it's that you've got to make it fun. So it's important to have those connections when you run. I mm. think one is to just go out and run on their own and, it, it, you know, they might get it's through a couple, but it's just, it just doesn't last. There's no longevity because it actually eventually ends up boring because you're just on your own. Mm, and particularly if you don't like exercise, you know, if you don't really like exercise, why would you go and run by yourself? I mean, I've done what so many marathons, yet I hate running by myself. Yeah. You know that, you know, like I, I like talking with people. That's my my outlet. Um, 
Yeah, and I think you also talked about that routine ticking off, you know, having a diary and ticking off sessions, which I think is really important. Yeah, and not every, every, not everybody is like that, but I know for myself that, you know, I love, I don't know if I'm a 20-week plan that I can just tick, 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 and I can sort of see myself slowly progressing through the weeks. You know, the lo- run's getting longer and just slowly, slowly building up. So I kind of like that enforced patience. Yes, yeah, and I always do feel a bit sad the week of marathon week or even the two weeks, like once the taper starts, I always sort of do get a bit sort of, oh, it's coming to the end because it is the journey that I sort of enjoy. Yes. The other thing I know that's really important to you is diet. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us about that and fuel for, for a marathon? Yeah. I, um, so, again, that's sort of been a journey along the way that I've sort of tweaked as I've developed but for me, when I talk about diet, it's, I kind of think of it as nutrition. So I, and I found that the better I eat, the easier and more comfortable the runs are. So that's kind of, I think that's what keeps me focused on nutrition and food is that the, the healthier I eat, the better I run. And it's so what do you, that. yeah, what do you eat before your long runs and before marathons? Um, so I would, I'm pretty consistent so I would have uh, uh, like toast and banana and nut butter in the mornings before I would have sushi or some rice based yeah probably sushi for lunch um and I would have a pasta like a simple pasta dish the night before yeah and, so, and I would kind of do that on the long runs very regularly so once I've kind of getting up to those long runs that's exactly what I do I did the same thing each day before because I know it sits well and I'm gonna be full of energy so you, you practice that in your long runs yeah, and then you I know execute what works. it when you do your marathon. Yeah. What about the morning of a marathon? Yes, so the morning of a marathon, I'd have a banana, some toast and some nut butter. And um, yeah, I'd make sure I was hydrated properly. I'd have a coffee. So again, I've kind of tweaked it over the years. Some people like porridge, some people like yogurt, but for me, it just doesn't sit well with my stomach. So I've, that's kind of what I would eat before I go, but I definitely always eat before a long run for sure. And what about um, during the run? Yep, during the run, I've kind of toyed over the years with different things, but I've found a gel that works for me. And if it's summer, I'd find I've got a hydration powder that I use with mixed with water. So those two things I'd have during the run. But again, I th- I'm pretty strict. Once I run over an hour and a half, I will force myself to have a gel even though they're not nice and even though so it's an hour and a half yeah and I, your, yeah yep. otherwise I find um I get tired and then I run sloppy and then I end up with some sort of gait issue and then my back gets sore or something gets sore so for me it's it's not about a lot of people you know like to run fasted and yeah I can do 30k without any food when yeah I find that you just you're you need it yeah you need something and you're so through a marathon how many gels would you have yeah four or five Right, so an hour and a half and then, or an hour? Yeah, so I would alternate. So I kind of, again, I've tweaked along the way. So I would alternate between gels and the little goos, you know, the little chews? Yes. So I will do either or. So after 34 minutes, I'll have a couple of chews. And then after another 35 minutes, I'll have 34 minutes, I'll have a gel and then I'll have a goo and then I'll have a gel and then I'll have a goo and then I'll have a gel. So every 30 minutes you sort of Yeah, I think so. And I think the trick is with those is you don't need to consume the whole gel. You just need to trick your body into thinking that you're actually okay if you don't have anything for an hour and a half and you've been running your body's going to think okay this is crazy i'm not getting any fuel and it will slowly start shutting down whereas if you have something your brain thinks oh yeah food's on its way i can keep on going so i do think it's important to have it regularly yes 
What about hydration? You did talk about hydration. Do you hydrate, start hydrating in the lead up to and when do you do that? Yeah, so again, I think it's really important for your body always to be hydrated and you, I don't think you can guzzle, you can't guzzle water two days before and think that's going to get you through. So at the minimum, you want to be really focused two weeks before the marathon to make sure you're hydrated yeah. and that you're constantly drinking water. Constantly drinking water. Yeah, right the constantly day. sipping. So. so, do you have a measure of that, or do you just make sure you're just drinking? I know. So, I'd make sure my urine's always kind of a clear colour. If it's yeah. dark, then I know I'm not drinking enough. So, once I get to that level, then I'll slowly sip. But again, it's about being gradual throughout the day, not just gulping, you know, two glasses of water during the morning. And think, right, that's it. My water's done. Yeah. Kind of that constant sipping. And what about, um, you know, there was a time where we had Gatorades, the, you know, the oh, two, two three, four days. Yeah. yeah. Do you still do that? No, I don't still do that. But I have done that. I, I think in the in the Boston days, that's what we would we, we would be doing. We would be having the Gatorade because we thought that was the right way to go. But you certainly don't need that amount of sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, for now, I think actually, so I went through this where I, wean myself of sugar and I would go a year or so without sugar and then I did a marathon and I went back to my old prep where I did do you know two Gatorades the day before one of the morning of and then that morning of the marathon everything just came away so I basically started the marathon with no fuel whatsoever because I'm um, the, the Gatorade just flushed everything out oh that's interesting isn't it yeah so I think that's another key tip actually is that you never do anything you need to practice these things in your long runs during up to the marathon never do never you know get some wisdom from the expo two days before. Oh, this is what you need for yes. your marathon run. Oh, I'm going to try this brand new gel. This is it. Don't do that. It's a mistake. You need to just stick with what you've done. And I think that's a really important point is that you find a plan and you stick to it. It's like having a baby, isn't it? You know, there's so many different voices yes. that can tell you what to do. But if you believe in your plan and your coach, you just listen to them and, and, and execute it. But you will get differing views and people will say, no, that's wrong. I did it this way and that way. But once you start going into someone else's plan, you can get yourself really confused. So just pick a plan, stick to yeah. it, and, and then work out the way that your food and your hydration in the lead up. And there is no right and wrong. What works for them is fine. You know, they're giving you their best advice because that's what really works for them. But you've got to work out what works for you and then stick to that. Yeah, and, then, and I think you choose one person to listen to because, yeah. you know, there's lots of books, you know, you and yeah. I have read so many books and so many different yep. ideas and you can take bits and pieces from everywhere. But as long as you believe in something and have something that's really strong for you, then I think that's really important that you just go, OK, I, st I know that you do this, Chantelle, you just stick to something and you stick to it like like glue. <laughs> Which is wonderful. So, um, Chantelle, thanks for coming in and speaking and sharing your stories and your information with us today. It's been really great to have you. 